Hello and welcome to Maintain the Flame with Keith Collins, the program where we anticipate an experience with the Lord on each and every episode. Thank you so much for listening today, and my prayer is that you will be strengthened, encouraged, and challenged in your daily walk with the Lord as you listen. The primary purpose for this program is to be a source of inspirational truth that will not only awaken a deeper hunger within you for more of God, but also a source of encouragement when it comes to maintaining a deep passion for the Lord. Leviticus 6.12 says, The fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must not go out. This Old Testament verse spoke into the sacrificial burnt offering practices of the temple, and it reflects the fact that we as the bride of Christ are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we have a responsibility to steward our walk with God and to maintain His flame that He has ignited in our hearts. I am your host, Keith Collins, and I invite you to join me now as we explore biblical truths that help us to maintain the flame of God upon the altar of our heart. Hello, and welcome to Maintain the Flame this week. I'm Keith Collins, your host. And I trust that this broadcast, this recording, finds you doing well. I am back in my office slash studio here in Charlotte, North Carolina. Over the last several weeks, I've been out quite a bit. I was in the Philippines for about 10 days and then came home and immediately went down to Georgia, then was back home just for a couple of days and was up in Maryland and then part of West Virginia. So anyway, just just getting back home and good to be back in my office and back in my studio and just excited about what God is doing. At the same time, I have to be honest, I am disturbed um, more than I've ever been disturbed in my life as I look at the condition of our nation, as I see the the havoc and the onslaught of evil that is taking place in America and really beyond America. Many nations uh, have come under this anti-Christ, secular, humanistic spirit and um, and it's 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 a sad thing to watch as the enemy is playing out his hand in this generation and really attempting to what I believe is destroy as many lives as he can before the return of our Lord. So I, I say that I come to you with sobriety, I come to you with um, humility, and and I come to you with to be honest with you, feeling a sense of holy desperation. We need the church to stand to arise in this dark hour that we are living in. I um, I saw a, a brief video that my wife had sent me over the weekend about some footage at the White House there in Washington, D.C. as our president was celebrating Gay Pride Month and had um, several, I guess, LGBTQ people there. And um, there was one um, trans person, a man that claims to be a woman that was exposing himself and on the lawn of the White House. And just, I mean, when I look at this, when I see this, um, Sodom and Gomorrah comes to mind, just such a spirit of perversion and debauchery. And listen, friend, I'm convinced that there is an element of judgment that's being played out in our nation as well as other nations. And it's as if the Lord gives men over to their own wickedness and their own perversion. 
their own idolatry, their own lust, um, whatever it is, anything that's against God and against his word and against his nature, it's as if they are given over to that when they are so deliberate in practicing this. And we see this through the history of the children of Israel. In the Old Testament especially, we also see this throughout the generations of, of, of time. and We see this in civilizations. We see this in the Roman Empire. They were given over to perversion and everything that was ungodly. Eventually, that, that empire, the Roman Empire, imploded upon itself. I'm not telling you that America is in its last hour, but I am telling you that, um, that friend, we are going down a, a dark road very, very quickly. And the only hope is the church. That's really the only hope. And I'm not telling you that everybody in America is going to be saved, but I do believe that um, we can see a pattern throughout history that in the midst of gross darkness, it's in those seasons that the Lord can and does move the mightiest. So I say all that um, with hope. Um, I say all that with um with prayerfulness and with a desire to see the Lord move in this hour. Now, again, I, I've been out quite a bit, and I will tell you that in the midst of what we're seeing in our culture and our society, I'm also encouraged by the level of prayer that I'm seeing. I'm, I'm encouraged at the fact that there are people that are refusing to compromise the gospel. There are people that are refusing to to relinquish their faith, to relinquish their stands, whether it be on pro-life issues, whether it be on biblical marriage issues, whether it be on gender identity issues, whether it be on, you know, whatever, drugs, alcohol, what I mean, th- there's so many things that, that, that the church has just kind of opened up to and they've become so much like the world or they've become the world. And um, And you've heard me say this before, if you listen to these podcast and this radio show but they've they've literally just kind of made Jesus into a mascot so much of the church and there's not really any power there's no presence there's no prayer there's no fasting there's no holiness of life there's no hunger and burden for the lost there's no heart for missions i mean we are seeing um we are seeing the church kind of walk out the same picture that we're seeing in the world. There's just been such a radical shift over the last few decades. And, you know, we saw this coming about, especially in the 60s and the 70s, and it just seemed to get worse and worse and worse. And now um, it's almost like there's just this onslaught. And what, like John Wesley said, what one generation tolerates, the next one embraces. And I've said many times, and the next one celebrates and the next one promotes. So we are literally promoting perversion at the White House. I mean, it is, it's, it's startling. Um, it's, it's, it's jarring. It, it's arresting my spirit. It's arresting my heart, my prayers. And friend, America is in great need of a spiritual awakening. The church is in need of revival. And you and I, I mean, and I'm not saying that we're elite, but we are the plan of God. We, Jesus said, now you are the light of the world. He said that we are salt and that we are light. So that, listen, we are the ambassadors of Christ. We are the representatives of his kingdom. And it's, it's upon us to be faithful. Paul talked about living worthy of the call of God in the book of Ephesians. That has nothing to do with some legalistic list of rules that are imputed upon us by, by a preacher or by a church. However, it, it's very clear that if we are Christ and Christ is ours, 
then our lives have to be founded on intimacy with him and through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Holiness becomes our native air. There, there are things we don't do because we don't want anything to infringe upon our relationship with Jesus, right? There are things that we don't watch. There's things we don't listen to. I remember you know, being in so many of the, the Brownsville Revival services during the Brownsville Revival from, that lasted from 1995 to 2000. And oftentimes, Steve Hill would talk about deliberate things like young people being in the back of a car and one thing leading to another, to another, to another. And he would talk about what we watch, the movies you watch, the, the music you listen to. And some people might say, well, that's just, that's just too much. No, friend, listen, the point is this. Um, we can't burn for Jesus if we're burning with lust. It doesn't mean we're not humans. It doesn't mean we're not tempted. All men are tempted. Jesus was tempted at every point like we However, he did not sin, of course, but but listen, temptation is not a sin, but when temptation gives way to the embracing of lust, the embracing of sinful practice, it separates us from God, and it literally disembowels us, if I can use that term, of who we are as the people of God. So, so we need a revival of holiness. We need a revival of intimacy with Jesus. We need a revival of prayer. We need a revival of pursuing God. I, I preached at a, a pretty large church in Maryland this past weekend, and the Lord just, again, dealt with my heart. And I've been preaching on this a lot lately because I'm just so stirred that, that, that we need prayer again. We need people that can get a hold of God. We need people that are willing to to, to wrestle in the prayer closet, people that are willing to abandon their entertainment and their leisure and all the things that we're so addicted to in this culture that we live in and go after God with all that we are, with all of our hearts. And I, I shared about when I first got saved, man, we were, sometimes we would pray all night. We'd get together on Friday nights, myself and a few other young men. We were teenagers. We'd been radically changed. I'd been, you know, saved from using drugs and alcohol and perversion and everything else I was involved in. And I, 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 I was turned on to Jesus. I mean, he was so real to me. I was so radically in love with him. And listen, we went hard after him. It wasn't legalism. It was a pursuance of a relationship with a living God. And when we lose that, according to Revelation, we lose our first love. And therefore, the Lord uses John to, to write to us that, that we must repent and go back and do our first works over again. Listen, some of my first works were all-night prayer meetings. I mean, literally, we, we would start praying sometimes 9 or 10 o'clock on a Friday night, and we would pray till the sun came up, usually 7 o'clock in the morning. And then we'd go sleep a couple hours and then go to Florida State University in Tallahassee, Florida, and preach the gospel. Why? Because we were so in love with Jesus, and we had such a heart for lost people. And and I'm I'm saddened that so much of the church has lost that. And again, I, I'm, I'm somewhat encouraged by what I'm seeing in certain places as people are you know, getting to a place to where they realize that church programs and, and buildings and, and um, you know, events and, and whatever we use to draw people, that's not really having a major impact on society. There's nothing wrong with outreach. I, I'm all about that. But when outreach replaces prayer, when it replaces the secret place, when it replaces the burden of God's heart for a dying generation, then, friend, we we lose so much of our identity. So, so I, I'm sharing all this because, as you can tell, um, I, I'm divinely disturbed, and and you know, I just want to say that we need a divine disturbance in our lives. 
And if I could title this this you know this broadcast today, I, I would say that listen, we need a divine disturbance. <laughs> That's my title. We need to be divinely disturbed. Um, I remember hearing years ago a dear friend of mine. Now some of you know Doctor Michael Brown, who's become just a dear friend over so many years now. But um, I remember that he was sharing one time, and he said that we don't just need an awakening. We need a rude awakening. And I'm convinced of that. We need like a violent arresting of our hearts as the church. I'm not talking about the world. We know the world's lost. I mean, that's no secret. I mean, look at, again, what happened at the White House this past weekend. Look at what's happening throughout our nation right now. Look at cities like San Francisco and um, places like Chicago, Baltimore, Washington, D.C. I mean, Seattle, Washington. I mean, look at the, the the perversion, the ungodliness, the the addiction, the the promotion of evil. And I mean, look at what's happening in our generation, friend. I mean, this is serious, serious stuff. So it, it doesn't take it doesn't take a, a lot of even common sense to realize that our nation is spiraling downward. As I say often, it's free falling into hell. And not just America. There's other nations. I was in Canada recently, recently, a few weeks ago. Canada needs revival, friend. They, the church in Canada needs to be revived, and the nation needs to be awakened. And so it's not just America. It's all of North America and, and many other parts, Western Europe, even Eastern Europe. I mean, all, all the nations need, need revival. But again, there just seems to be such an escalation, especially in Western culture, regarding the embracing, promoting, and celebrating of anything that's evil and anti-Christ and anti-Bible. So, so the church needs to understand that the only hope is a divine disturbance. Where does a divine disturbance start? It starts in the church. It, it has to start in the church. Listen, when we read the letters of the Apostle Paul, they're written to the church. And when we read the letter from James the Apostle, when we read first or second Peter when we read I mean these these letters are actually being read they're they're being circulated oftentimes as um, kind of like a circular letter that like um, in the ancient world a king would sit out a letter that would circulate through the kingdom and these letters some of them w- were treated as such some were you know read maybe in specific regions like Asia Minor where Ephesus was but but anyhow bottom line is these these letters the that became books the, in in our canonized bible in the new testament these letters were sent to christians they were sent to believers people that were saved were born again and when we read these letters oftentimes there is this you know this thrusting um this thrusting mandate to live in such a way that it honors the lord to pray to seek the face of god to 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 love one another to to let purity be the native air of the church if the church is going to have an impact on the world and sadly We've lost so much of that in the church, and the church, again, has become just like the world, sometimes even worse. I mean, the divorce rate in the church is probably as high in, as it is in the world, and, and people are shacking up in the church, I mean, um, or living together without – I mean, there's just craziness going on even in the church. I mean, alcoholism, drug addiction, depression, suicide. And listen, I'm not trying to condemn anybody that's dealing with mental illness or anything like that. But but there's something off when the church has the same statistics, when the church has the same atmosphere of the world. There is something wrong, my friend. And so my point this week is this. We need to be divinely disturbed. We need to be arrested. We need to be 
challenged. We need to be stirred to the core of our identity as the people of God. We are losing generations, not just a generation. We're losing generations. And we've got, you know, there's multiple generations on the earth right now, whether it be the baby boomers, Gen X, the millennials, um, Gen Z, Gen Alpha. I mean, all, all these terms that that we use to define certain age groups of people, but we're losing generations. We're not just a post-revival nation. We are a post-Christian nation on many levels. Again, I realize there are pockets of people that love the Lord, that are praying, and that are faithful to preach the gospel, but, but I'm convinced that even many of those have really kind of lost hope. They wonder, can God really move? Can a nation really be changed? You know, back in February, we saw something glorious happen at Asbury University. It's happened there multiple times over the last, you know, several years, a hundred plus years, um, and 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 there seemed to be somewhat of a collateral impact. It was affecting different universities, different churches, and I, I I'm still seeing the impact of that, and I thank God for that. But um, I'm not satisfied with that, friend. I mean, I went it. It was glorious. I spent several hours there at Asbury and, and was blessed by the worship, by the prayer, by the um, exhortations that I heard, by the atmosphere of glory. It was very real, very, very real. And I was so blessed that I was able to go and spend a day there. At the same time, um, we need an invasion. We need a divine disturbance of the holiness of God invading our churches in America and beyond America. We cannot continue to just do good church. We cannot continue to just talk about how God used to move, what God used to do, how God is going to do this and do, I mean, all this stuff. We must, we must be people that bring the kingdom of heaven to bear everywhere that we go. How do we do that? Number one, We've got to be faithful to prayer. I mean, it is such a mandate upon the church. I've shared on this many, many times over the over the the many, many months now, two plus years of doing broadcasting like this. But I I keep coming back to it because we know it, but we don't do it. Oftentimes, it's one thing to know, hey, there's there's a miracle cure, and if you just you know eat this certain food, then you're never going to get a cancer cell, or you're never going to. Um, get diabetes or whatever, or, or you're never going to have to deal with dementia or anything like that. If there was a certain food or something like, or a supplement, I mean, you better believe most or all of us would go right to that supplement because it would help. It would bring about a difference. Well, I, I think prayer is kind of in that category in the spirit, in the spiritual realm. We know what to do, but we don't do it. We know that it's real. And I'm not everybody, but most people, friend, are way more committed to ministry activity that is existential that people see. And there's nothing wrong with a lot of that, whether it be feeding the poor, whether it be taking care of orphans, whether it be, um, you know, doing stuff to bless our community, picking up trash, whatever. All these things are great. And, and, and I think God can use all of that stuff. But there are certain things that we are mandated by heaven to do. Why? Because they change eternity. They change cities. They change nations. They change regions. And prayer is the paramount. There, there, there's nothing beyond prayer. That's why Paul said in, in Romans 8, um, 26 and 27, he says, likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness. Listen, in our flesh, we are weak when it comes to prayer. Even those of us that burn for Jesus and that are radically saved and that are in love with the Lord, 
there's a weakness that we have. However, we have the Holy Spirit. Many of us have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. So Paul said, we don't know what we should pray. Why? Because of our weakness. Sometimes we don't know what we should pray for as we ought to or as we should. But the Spirit himself, the Holy Spirit himself, makes intercession with us or for us with groaning which cannot be uttered. One translation said with words that cannot be uttered. He said, now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is. Why? Because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. How many of you know that the function of Jesus Christ who is seated at the right hand of the Father, his 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 agenda right now is making intercession for us. If he is committed to that as God the Son, as the creator of the universe, then how much more should you and I be a people of prayer? If Jesus, as the Son of Man, when he walked the earth as a man, as a human, even though he was fully God, he was fully man, as the Son of Man, if Jesus would leave his disciples and would go into places like mountains and would cry out to God and to the Father through the night in vehement cries sometimes, then how much more should you and I live in such a way that the Holy Spirit can pray the will of the Father through our yielded vessels? You see, we want revival. Excuse me. We want lives changed. We want the blessing of God. We want our nation to humble itself and bow its knee to Jesus. Can I tell you something? John Wesley said this. There are things that do not happen except the people of God pray. Paul said, listen, there is something that happens through yielded vessels that are willing to come into alignment with the heart of the Father and allow the power of the Holy Spirit to literally possess our beings. And God even uses our passions. He uses our voices. He uses our spirit man. And he fuses his eternal purposes with our spirit. And as a result, oftentimes we groan in the spirit. Maybe we weep. Maybe we shed tears. Whatever whatever happens there. And I've been here multiple times, and I can't explain it all, but I do know there is a place where the heart of the Father is literally shared with the children of God, those that know him, those that pay the price to live in the secret place of prayer, those that are willing to turn off the TV, those that are willing to turn off the iPads and the iPhones and the Androids and all the stuff that we're so addicted to. Listen, I don't know about you, but sometimes that little screen will come up and it says screen time this week. And sometimes it can be like, I I can't believe I've spent that much time looking at a phone, whether it be, and it might even be good stuff like sending encouraging texts to, to people that we're connected with through our apostolic network, or maybe it's you know, reading an article that's powerful. So it's it's not always wrong. And sometimes when I travel, I even use my iPhone to to read the Bible on the Bible app because I need the lighting to see. But, But still yet, sometimes that time is more than the time that I've spent in prayer. And, um, and I actually feel convicted and I have to ask God to forgive me. Listen, friend, what are we so distracted by that we are neglecting the main thing That'll bring revival to the church and awakening to a nation, to a community, to a city, to our families. It's prayer. It is, it is the most powerful force, I believe, that God has given us. Paul said it very clearly. He said in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 10, 4, he says, The weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they're mighty through God 
to the pulling down or the tearing down of strongholds. Friend, it's not, listen, preaching's important and, and, and we are to proclaim the gospel. Something happens through the preaching of the word, signs and wonders follow. I understand all that, but listen to me. There, there is something again, like John Wesley says, something, some things do not happen except we're a people of prayer. And oftentimes we jump into the ministry activity void of the prayer foundation. Some of the greatest heroes of the faith were those that never ascended a platform, those that never had their name in a Christian magazine or on a Christian tele that they were never on a Christian TV program or never wrote a book, but they changed eternity because they tethered themselves to intimacy with Jesus, which brought about a prayer life where the Holy Spirit was literally able to possess their beings and pray through them the eternal purposes and will of the Father. Friend, that is, that's ministry. That's what's lacking. That's what's needed. We can talk about this, preach about Listen, I've taught about this subject for over 20 years in, in collegiate type settings, training leaders. And, um, and I thank God for it. But even in my own life, I can teach it. I can write about it. I, I'm writing a book right now dealing with some of these, these issues. But I can write about it. I can research it. I can tell you the names of people that were powerful in prayer and intercession. I can show you where you can literally trace moves of God to actual people that spent days, sometimes months or years in travailing agony and intercession and how that God used their obedience and used their faithfulness to spark revival movements, to spark transformation in cities and regions. But listen, I can know all that and compromise in my own prayer life. And what good does it do me personally? You see, we know a lot of things about prayer in the church. Many people do, but we neglect it we are slothful. Oftentimes we are distracted. We allow our lives to get sucked down into a vortex of busyness. And at the end of the day, oftentimes we find ourselves exasperated because we're trying to use human strength to bring about a move of God when God says the weapons of, our, of your warfare, they're not human, they're not carnal, but they're mighty through God and they tear down strongholds. Friend, I want to encourage you to pray for a divine disturbance. Where does it start? It starts in your own life. If you're compromising in prayer, may the Lord disturb you. May it disturb me today. If you're trying to do more than you can pray over, then God, show us what we're doing that's that's not prayed over and let us be willing to remove those things so that prayer can become the first, the second, and the third most important thing in our lives. Like John Wesley said, I've got so much to do, and I'm paraphrasing him, so much ministry activity that I must get up an hour earlier so that I can pray effectively over all that God is calling me to do. Friend, do you have a prayer life today? Have you allowed the Lord to divinely disturb you personally? Because that's where it starts. Listen, thank God for the corporate prayer meetings, but friend, it starts with individuals that are fastened to prayer, tethered, chained to prayer, and God uses their lives to bring about a difference. I pray that you've been challenged, that you've been encouraged today by this message. Listen, visit us, keith-collins.org. You can also visit us at impactgf.org. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to pray for you if you have prayer requests. And um, just ask you, share this with your friends. You know, we are in the process of going to YouTube. We're starting to um, 
starting to put this on YouTube where you'll actually be able to see us as we do this each and every week. And we'll be updating you about that in the near future. We also have some new things coming up on our websites. So check those out. And um, again, thank you so much for being a part of this broadcast today. May the grace and the favor of the Lord be upon your life. Father, touch every listener. Divinely disturb us. Take us deeper in this place of prayer. And Lord, use us for your glory in this hour that we live in. God bless you. We love you. Again, thank you for being a part of Maintain the Flame today. And may the purposes of God be alive and real in your life. We'll see you next week on Maintain the Flame with Keith Collins. God bless. Thank you so much for listening to Maintain the Flame with Keith Collins today. I trust that you've been blessed and encouraged as you've listened. And if you hunger for a greater passion for the Lord that will not dim or subside, then let me encourage you to listen weekly to episodes that will encourage you in your walk with God. To learn more about our ministry, you can visit us at keith-collins.org or impactgf.org. May the fire of God burn brighter and hotter in your life. God bless you.